4 o'clock football frenzy is presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. 4 o'clock hours here. If you're looking for uh, top-notch hockey talk, flip us off right now. Not that way with the middle finger. Uh, but over on our sister station, Fox 1340 and 98.9 FM, we'll have some hockey later on as uh, Adam Hill and Willie will help us preview uh reeves return turks return the rangers in town to take on the golden knights football frenzy's coming up here in just a second let's do a giveaway caller six and seven three six four eleven hundred three six four one one zero zero greg salerno fox sports radio great after party the best after party following raiders games following a playoff clinching raiders game on sunday night a little later than normal normally we're out there four to seven 8 to 11, Salerno on the scene, Crazy Horse 3, Crazy Horse 3, Crazy Horse 3. VIP treatment. You get a table, you get a bucket, you and your friends get in for free. Anyone who has a ticket to the game can also get in for free. But right now, we hook you up with the VIP treatment. 364-1100, Crazy Horse 3, Gentlemen's Club, right across the street from the Al. Let's get into it. <laughs> Willie, just to follow up on the uh, Joey Bosa deal, which uh, was still stuck in my craw from weeks and weeks and weeks ago, if folks don't remember what went down, Joey Bosa from the Chargers said of Derek Carr that he crumbles under pressure. Yep. And I saw a bunch of media people. One of them was, was Jim Trotter, who's covering the NFL for like 25 years, who essentially was like, I'm disappointed in Joey Bosa. Like, what are we doing here? How weak have we gotten on football rivalries and then there were actually Raiders fans who were upset about it. You realize, for Raiders fans, maybe there, maybe a lot of the Raiders fans are too young to remember what the Raiders were like in the 60s and 70s and into the early 80s. Do you realize how much of Raiders' mystique was built on intimidation and trash-talking? But somehow Joey Bosa crossed the line by saying the quarterback on a rival team was weak and crumbles under pressure, that still boggles the mind. And then today, I, I don't I don't love what I mean Bosa in the middle of his comments kind of doubled down, but I, I didn't love what Bosa said today. He was kind of backpedaling, like why? He goes, I'm a fan of him. I think we get along. Like, why are we doing this? What? Well, we don't know what our good friend Gilbert Manzano, the way that it's worded. I'm a fan of him. I think we get along. I was just pointing out something. It sounds like Gilbert said something that led him to answer that direction. So I'm not sure if Joey Bush had just offered that up to back down. The one thing yeah, he I want to tell he goes, I was just pointing out something that I noticed. noticed when he gets, when he gets pressured, pressured yeah. he seems to shut down a little bit. Seems like a lot of quarterbacks do that. He's one of the top passers in the league. Like, okay, Joey. So, the Joey. All right. Just, you said it. There was no thought behind it the first time. It was an honest assessment. Stick with it, bruh. Here, 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 here's my take on this whole thing, okay? What do these guys do on Mondays, Steve? Because they get Tuesdays off. You know that, right? So if they play Sunday, what do they do on Mondays? What do they report for? They report for game film. They, they and, then, and then Wednesdays they come in and they start studying more film. And then Thursdays, guess what they watch? Film. Guess what they study? If every single player was made available to the media and worded, if they used the vernacular the way that Joey did that week, 
How many times would a defensive lineman have something to say possibly about Andre James um, or Alex Leatherwood? How many times would somebody would Max Crosby have something to say about an opposing offensive lineman? How many times have we been in the media room and and we've asked and and, and they say, well, I'm not going to you know reveal what we see, but they see things. If they were to reveal well, what no, no, they let, saw, let, let me let me jump in here for a second. Okay, that was that was Bosa talking right after the game. Right. That's that is that's actually the best time to get good quotes because guys are still in freaking game mode. Right, but I'm just saying it's an observation that he said. It's something I've noticed, something that I've observed. He's just being more honest than others. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with him coming back and complimenting, and there's nothing wrong with him saying what he's noticed. He's just saying, he's just revealing something that he's noticed. And he doubled down on it today by saying, I was just pointing out something that I noticed. When he gets pressured, he seems to shut down. Well, guess what? Go back and look at every time he's been sacked the last two weeks. When the, the pocket collapses on him, he sort of hovers over. He doesn't scramble. He doesn't move. He shuts down, and they can sack him. That's just what. That's just it. It's something that's noticed. It's not a knock on Derek Carr. It's just something. It's an it's an advantage to the defense. Maybe it's a knock on the offensive line. I don't. Know, but. Game is going to reveal what the weaknesses of other people are. Maybe there's a weakness. Josh Jacobs is a, is a is a good running back. Derrick Henry's a good running back. He's hard to stop. If there's anyone that can stop him, let's look back at the history and see which teams he struggles against. Go ask them. They're not going to reveal it. Joey Bosa just happened to reveal a weakness in Derek Carr when he gets pressured. That's my take on it. Everybody's got a weakness on the field. It's just that it's how you're going to describe it or if you're going to reveal what that weakness may be. So should Derek Carr be thinking after hearing the words today, oh, okay, we're good, bro. I don't think Derek Carr – you know what? In his words, oh, based, on the, based on the letter, I mean – I. In, what are you going to say? What are you going to say? I don't think Derek Carr cares about what Bosa said. Give me a break. What I was going to say, I think that he cares what everybody says about him because he exactly. reveals that after every game. But what I mean is that he's just going to go. What what is he going to do? What are you going to do about it? He's just going to go about his. He's not going to. It's not going to let him affect his his game because he's he still does the same thing. He's still somewhat as the as the pockets collapsing on him and you see them covering like he he's not scrambling out of their pockets. Right. He's somewhat. Hovering, hovering over, shutting down. I think that's what Joey Bosa means. So yes, you were. Gonna so you're saying, saying Derek, he, Derek Carr is not going to go the extra mile to make a play if Joey Bosa is bearing down on him. And frankly, he probably think, shouldn't. He probably shouldn't because Derek Carr should know his own game. He fumbles. Um, he, he 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 fumbles a lot, so he right. needs to be super, super cognizant of what ball I, security. What I was going to say, Steve, is. What I was going to say when I was going to say yes, I was going to say he doesn't care. And so let's not take that out of context in meaning that we know that Derek Carr is very sensitive in, in what, and he reads people, what people write about him. And he does let it affect him because he comments after the game. He'll, he'll make little comments. He did it about our boy Adam Hill. What I was going to say is that he doesn't care enough to where he's going to go change his game. He's not going to go rectify. Joey Bosa's comment is not going to change Derek Carr's style of play. And nor should it. But I do think he, uh, if there's any way that he gets anything out of it, it should be a little bit motivating because I think he was insulted by the whole thing. Whatever. He couldn't handle Festivus. <laughs> <laughs> Look at you. 
with a parting shot before we get back to this topic in the, in the, in the uh, 5 o'clock hour. No Baker Mayfield this weekend. Nope. What's going to happen with Baker? You know, I've been hearing a lot of interesting talk on this dude. I, I, I have to wonder if he's not the problem. I mean, there's there's just so much drama, it seems like, with this, with this team and in the locker room. You know, I mean, just... Over the course of it with Odell and then, I don't know I I, I I have to wonder if if they think that they got the right if they got their right guy I mean because who who's gonna make it work with him um, you you got you got the uh, the social media right other people posting things for him um, now he's he's got one year left on the rookie deal Steve yep. Eighteen point eight five million, and there hasn't been any significant talks. I, I am not necessarily confident that this dude is going to be in Cleveland very long. Oh, I'm not tra- confident. Very that long, either. meaning very long, like yeah. his career. Like, you know, I, I think that he, he's either uh, he's either going to play this out or he, he he they may deal him. I mean, oh, there's a, there's a couple, I, I, there's a couple I, uh, of big names that are going to be available. Yeah. It wouldn't shock me. Big names available. Oh, so you think the Browns will get involved on guys like Russell Wilson, maybe A. Rodge, maybe Deshaun Watson? Well, why not? Right when they got Baker, right, and then they started but, uh, building up this roster. Wasn't Cleveland just a couple of seasons ago? All of a sudden, this was going to be the rise of the Browns. They were going to win the FC yeah. North. This was there. So if that's the case, and they brought these components in to surround this, you know. Boomer sooner, and it's not working. What could happen if somebody who can, with the right experience, and can write the ship, and maybe just a couple of tweaks that knows how to build the chemistry and knows and has has the sort of veteran experience and leadership and ability to sort of command his troops and has already earned that respect. What if they can grab that? And then they only got to fix a couple of things because, as it is, it seems as if they're always having to. It's it's you know, every everyone's pointing out what Baker doesn't have. Well, what's Baker bringing to the table? So I, I, I if he if they deal him or if they look to deal him, I wouldn't be surprised to see them make a make a a deal. I mean, didn't we all think? Didn't how many people sat there and looked at the tamp the, the complexion of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and said, really, wait a minute. Brady's going there, so what's what's why couldn't Aaron Rodgers go to another cold uh, cold weather city and hit the AFC and go to Cleveland? Why not? I agree with you. I agree with you. I think the the Browns have everything they need to win. Uh, this is not a moment where I'm going to bash on Baker Mayfield, and I'll I'll explain it to you here in a second. But you're right. The Browns absolutely listen. How many times do I have to do this? The Browns should absolutely be at the front of the line to go and grab one of these big-name quarterbacks while organizations like the Giants, putting them on a list for one of these guys is freaking laughable. Do you realize how far ahead the Browns organization is in front of a team like the Giants? Miles. It is. The Browns are a good team. Now, that all said... I also think this is a golden opportunity for a team that needs a bridge quarterback for a couple of years 
because I'm not interested in, in bringing in Baker Mayfield to my team, you know, on a five-year deal. But if I need a bridge and I need the guy for two years, I think he's a great pickup. And guess what? Now you're getting him at a rock-bottom price. Remember, last year when this team exploded, finally turned the corner, right? And, you know, Kevin Stefanski's a genius. Baker Mayfield played some, played some pretty good football. Yep. If I could get Baker Mayfield now for a fifth or a sixth-round pick, I'll take him. And that's why you remember beginning of the week when we talked to uh, one of the Steelers reporters, Brooke Pryor, and I kind of threw her off a little bit. I was like, why wouldn't the Steelers go get Baker Mayfield for a year or two? Mason Rudolph sucks, right? He does. Dwayne Haskins is never going to be a big-time quarterback in the NFL. Why not get Mayfield for a couple of years while you groom? If you don't have the money and the picks to go get Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers, they get you know one of these teams that needs a, a bridge quarterback, go get him on the cheap. It's going to cost you nothing. Yeah, I mean, I, he, the other thing we forget in this whole thing, how quickly we file away injuries. Yeah. We found out a month into the season, the guy has a friggin' torn labrum in his non-throwing shoulder. We're going to judge him fairly this season with that injury? Come on. Well, we can't judge him on the whole, but he he still has had personnel issues. He's had a rift with the coach, with Kevin Stefanski. I just don't think that Baker Mayfield is, is in the position to where he can dictate his terms yet. I don't think he's oh, no. proven that. So, you know, I mean, let's look at let's look at this on the whole, okay? Cleveland as a team has the seventh fewest passing yards in the league, 3,149. The defense has allowed the sixth fewest, 5,114 yards. So I mean, it's not that cut and dry, but this is you said Cleveland is a good team. I think structurally the foundation is there, and I think that this te- this this offseason, they've shut him down. He's going to have surgery. I think they know the writing's on the wall. They have to make a, a huge decision here, but they also have to make sure that he's on board and a lot of these locker room issues, they have to stop. You have to have – you have a you know, we just got done talking to, to Nick about the Raiders – and the adversity that this team's been through and how they're using it to come together and bond and sort of, I mean, can you talk, you want to talk about the camaraderie of a team. What's that team, what kind of camaraderie is that team built? Cleveland has mm, an iota. And by the way, I should mention that uh, Mayfield's slide actually began about a year and a half ago. Quick timeout, we'll come back, talk about John Madden and the Raiders. Let's go, Ari. Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600. Now, back to Cofield and Company. Stockton with John Madden. Hi, everybody. I'm Vin Scully, along with John Madden. Pat Summerall here with John Madden. What a way to start a Super Bowl. That's what Cincinnati wants to do. He makes a little basketball twist there and pivot, and boom, the ball's there right again between the eight and the nine. Oh, is he happy? 
Well, it looks like the Raiders have put together a hell of a weekend for John Madden and his family. We'll get to that inside of five minutes. We got Brad Powers on the national title game. That's uh, coming up on Monday. Brad Powers in about 20 minutes. Silver Sevens on this Thursday. Willie Ramirez, Cofield. Uh, just to follow up on a couple of the uh, football frenzy notes today, some of the biggest stories out there. Um, quick one here. Did you see that uh, Dan Quinn, who certainly, if Passaccia doesn't get the job with the Raiders, Dan Quinn, the former Falcons coach, could get an interview with the Raiders. Did you see that Dan Quinn told the Jaguars, uh, not interested? I don't know if that means not interested right now, I'm busy, or not interested at all. What do you think if he turned down the Jaguars? Chance to be a head coach again? And he says, no dice? Not interested. I mean, <clears throat> maybe there's maybe there's more to, to that organization than we know um, beyond. I mean, Urban Meyer was a train wreck as it was. Right. but um, and, Or maybe he wants to stay focused on the Dallas Cowboys and, and their run. Maybe he's happy where he's at. And, uh, you know, well, I, there, I think you're there's, something something. To, there's something to I, be said about being yeah. a part of the Dallas Cowboys coaching staff as opposed to being a part of a dysfunctional Jaguars organization. Exactly. Now, I think you're on to something when you said there's it's there, there's it goes a lot deeper than just Urban Meyer. It's a dysfunctional organization. You know, the funny thing is, I wonder if Dan Quinn got the call and he thought to himself, why are they even calling me? Shouldn't the Jaguars' first five candidates all be offensive coaches? Offensive-minded head coaches? You have Trevor Lawrence. Shouldn't? Shouldn't the Jaguars, since since it came up, what, six weeks ago at Allegiant Stadium, shouldn't one of the calls be to Dabo Sweeney? Maybe. Well, if we're considering, if, 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 if you're considering, if you're putting him on a list for the Raiders and you want someone who knows, I, I don't know, I just... <laughs> I think there's a Dabo connection to the Raiders based on some of their personnel stuff, Willie, over the years. I don't know that you want to bring Dabo in to coach his, his college quarterback. I also don't believe Dabo is really a, an NFL head coach. Now, should the Jaguars make a big run at Jim Harbaugh? Yeah. And at a minimum, make a run at Harbaugh so that you make sure that someone else, if you don't get him, someone else who does, pays through the freaking nose for him, right? No, the the Jags should they should be hiring someone who's offensive minded, young, old, doesn't matter. Uh, try to develop the franchise and Trevor Lawrence, and you know go out and pay big bucks for a top notch defensive coordinator. But Dan Quinn really shouldn't be considered for that job. But it is interesting that Quinn's like, no, I, have, I don't have any interest right now. I like what I'm doing. So enough. Um, all right. So what's going on this weekend in terms of the festivities? Honor John Madden. Another great thing to add to the mix. It's already going to be a super emotional spot. Playoff spot on the line. Rival in town. They beat your ass the first time. What are we hearing so far about what they're going to do for John Madden? Well, Virginia Madden, the wife of John Madden, will be joined by his sister Judy, sons Mike and his wife Susie, Joe and his wife Wendy, as well as grandsons Jesse and Jack, and they will light the Al Davis Memorial Torch prior to kickoff i know that the madden cruiser is in town and they're giving tours i think the media can take tours and i believe that's going to be uh that's out at the practice facility and i believe 
That is going to be at the um, at Allegiant Stadium. So fans, fans with tickets to the game will have a chance to view outside and tour the famed Madden Cruiser. That'll be on display on the west side of the stadium. Um, display showcases Madden's special moments. So you'll be able to see sort of interactive timeline display that showcases the, uh, the moments throughout his life, including pre-pro football days, um, which we had a chance to obviously last week talk to John Robinson. You can hear that on LVSportsNetwork.com. His coaching career. His time in the broadcast booth, his Pro Football Hall of Fame bust is gonna, and the Madden video game, and uh, Raider Nation can sign a wall to honor Madden. So, plenty of festivities leading up to the Sunday night game, uh, Madden Cruiser, the Hall of Fame bust, everything, uh, Super Bowl Eleven Lombardi Trophy, um, the Monday Night Football broadcast jacket. Those will be among the items that are on display. So, very very big night on top of what's at stake for the team but for the franchise itself to honor one of the greats in professional football and the vibe before that game is going to be incredible isn't it it really is it already is it already is right now i mean i'm sitting here wondering if there's going to be somebody cranking that siren on the fortress tonight oh from the raiders well, you never know. Get him hyped up, two day, you know, three days before the game. Who knows who's going to be up there? You never know. Throw Max up that, there or something. Watch that rotator cuff. Watch the ankles. Watch the knees. Sure. Guys get into it a little too much. Be careful. Maybe some, maybe some. I mean, Perryman was up there spinning it with the, with the, with the bum ankle, and then he didn't end up playing. Uh-oh. Ah, Mark Schnook and Cons- Katie Marie, they'll hold him up. Conspiracy theory from weeks ago? You got something on this? No, 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 no. No, 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 no. I'm just saying. He was there, and then all of a sudden, you know, people were clamoring about it. It was like, settle down. Would you let Daniel Carson work the the, the freaking crank? Yes. It's not a big you deal. You would? It's not a big deal. He's winning all these close games. It's not a big deal. I don't know, man. Okay, that so wait a minute. A little, that thing gets a little unsteady. Start it's, leaning forward. No, stop it. They hold on to it. Chance the Raiders, up there. Katie this Marie week should be in bubble wrap. They, they should, should be in bubble wrap. As long as they're masked up, as long as they're masked up, they can go inside, crank the siren, and then go watch it from a suite. Go watch it from Foley's booth or something. Don't go up to uh, McPhee's booth though, because they're not wearing masks in there. No, we never uh, see Carlson. Carlson, AFC Special Teams Player of the Week, thrice. Thrice. That's three times for you. Thank you. I, I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, you're not going to suggest the kicker of the Raiders is the real MVP for the team, right? Well, I want to know who the real MVP is. I mean, is it Max Crosby? Is it Daniel Carlson? Is it Derek Carr? Um, is it Hunter Renfro? There are have been a lot of unsung heroes. Five last-second victories by this team four of them daniel carlson he uh uh, they lead the league i believe with uh i want to say 35 field goals um they rank among the best with the with the long field goals kids got a leg on him he's won the special teams player of the week three times he's clutch and you think about some of those close games low scoring where the offense was stagnant and the field goals is what got it done hmm I don't know. 
I what do you think of this one, Willie? Yes. What do you think of this statement? One of the guys at PFF. Okay. On uh, if you were going to you know talk uh, MVP of the Raiders, mm. Derek Carr deserves a ton of credit for keeping a bottom ten supporting cast playoff competitive. Abrupt losses of Gruden and Ruggs. No Waller since week twelve. Twenty seventh ranked defense. Really? What do you think? think bottom ten. And you're saying 27th ranked defense in EPA. I think it's a garbage statement. Say it again. I think it's a garbage statement. Really? Absolutely. Hunter Renfro, I mean, let's talk about how many receptions this dude has. He's he's ranked, like, I think he's like eighth most, tied for seventh most, excuse me. Uh, The defense, all season long, we've been talking about the two best edge rushers, Max Crosby, Anika Ngakwe. I mean, if he's talking supporting cash, you're talking about the whole team, right? I mean, this is a, this is a this is a this is a much improved defense. I mean, they've had some terrible losses, yes, but uh, bottom ten—that's a garbage statement. Daily happy hour starts at three with beers, well drinks, and margaritas. Just two seventy-seven. We don't mess around when it comes to food. It's the Fat Pack on Cofield and Company. Brought to you by Nova Home Loans. You see a pair of laughing eyes And suddenly you're sighing sighs You're thinking nothing's wrong All right, Willie, Fat Pack time. What's worse, that there is a National Bean Day or that former NFL player Dan Orlovsky says that cannolis suck? Orlovsky, because there's nothing wrong with beans. Orlovsky's a clown. Cannolis, I, I, this dude, did you see my reply? I replied. I replied because Paul lo- looped me in with a little gif from... Who's Paul? Paul G. Paul Gutierrez, sorry. Uh, our friend Paul Gutierrez from ESPN, he looped me in with just a reply with a gif from Godfather. Leave the, uh, leave the gun, take the cannolis. And my reply was spot on for a comment that he, that Orlovsky said cannolis taste good, never taste good. They need to be made right. People can blow the sweetness added to the ragut or ruin the texture. The shell also needs to reach a degree of crispness. Crispness, the right chocolate chips are necessary. It's the process or lack thereof that can ruin the true greatness of a cannoli. I think you mentioned something really key there. I do believe the 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 shell does need chips. The shell needs to be crisp, first of all. You know, I've had cannolis where the crisp. But I do were, think, but I do think the chips the chips take it to another level. Yes, you have to have chocolate chips. And they got to be tiny. They can't be big, bulky chocolate. They got to be. It's almost. You know what's even better is if they shave a little dark chocolate, and you get little shavings. It's got to be done right, and the and the ragut's got to be. It's got to be sweetened properly. You have to have the right texture. It's 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 like tapioca. You have to have the right texture to enjoy the cannoli. I agree that there are going to be people out there that are going to be taken back. But if you have if you have a like a, not soggy, but the, if the shell loses its crispness, you've lost it. It's 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 a it's a garbage. I, if I'm in an Italian restaurant and I order a cannoli in the shells, it's going back. Period. And I'm not paying for it either. Do you want so. to explain to the uninitiated the uh, ragut? 
it's ricotta cheese, but it's got to be pronounced ricotta. All right, I just want to make sure. I just want to make like sure. Mozzarella. Come on now. Is Manigo. there a bean? Manigo. Is there a bean? Is there a bean worthy of discussing as like the best bean? I did, I don't think we need a national bean day. I do. I, I. I. Well, I don't have a problem with it because there are some great beans out there. Black beans okay, and rice. I like. Away. I like black I gotta, beans. You got to hear this. Okay, I like black beans. Cannellini. How about the cannellini with the with, for pasta fagioli? Huh. Got to have the nice cannellini. Garbanzo beans, for, for my heritage, you, that's how you make hummus. So if you like hummus with pita bread, you need the garbanzo beans. Right? Uh, you might have nailed one there. Okay. But simply because they're smushed into hummus. I think you nailed it there. And, and, and with tahini paste, sesame paste, yeah. it's, t- it's called tahini. Um, kidney beans. How else are you going to make chili? Come on now. You're, it, it, the problem, and let's not forget. Let's not forget. We would not have the great line from Silence of the Lambs. Fava beans. That's a good Anthony point. Anthony Hopkins. Who wants to make the slurping noise? Go ahead, Ari. No, can't do it. I'm busy. Why? I don't understand why you don't like the beans. I or think you, you made or, a case. Or, or you, I was, I was, or you I was, just I was didn't. Looking. I was looking for someone to make a case. I just I didn't have the bean knowledge that you did. That was actually very informative. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield and Co. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with Brad Powers. All right, let's do it. Let's check in with Brad Powers here on this Thursday. Brad, what's up, buddy? Hey, what's happening? How was your trip to uh, Glendale, first of all? <laughs> uh, wasn't the most enjoyable experience. I'll just put it that way. Why? What happened? No, I just, you know, for starters, I mean, look, I knew the weather was cold here in Vegas, and I'm, I wasn't yep. expecting it to be that much different in Arizona, but... I did expect it to be different inside, you know, State Farm Stadium where the Cardinals play. I mean, the fact that I had a jacket on and was freezing. Uh, and, and look, I I'm from Ohio. I know what it's like to be cold, but what I didn't anticipate, and I have season tickets to UNLV here at Allegiant Stadium, uh, where I can take a jacket off uh, and pretty much any game this year. Uh, I needed more layers. I mean, I, I've never been inside a dome stadium. I mean, I, I went to the Silver Dome back in Detroit Lions back in the day, and, and was never as cold as what I was inside that stadium. Too cheap to turn on the heat, Glendale bastards. <laughs> Maybe, uh, and then obviously the game. <laughs> being a Notre yeah. Dame fan, even though I bet Oklahoma State and bet a little bit on Oklahoma State, we'll put it that way. Uh, you know, being a Notre Dame fan, wanting to see a, a 30-year major bowl streak come to an end, uh, that didn't that not happening after being up three touchdowns is not enjoyable either. Can we really get any true impressions of Marcus Freeman out of a bowl game? No, not when you have a few weeks to prep and in the middle of that you're trying to hire a coaching staff, sign a recruiting class. I mean, I tweeted this during the game, as this was even before Oklahoma State even forget winning. Uh, even before they tied it up, I mean, I was starting to see the accumulation of a guy coaching his 218th game against a guy coaching his first. I mean, the adjustments were there from 
uh, a veteran like Gundy, and you know there was kind of a, uh, a I don't want to say cluelessness, uh, but uh, there was certainly a confused state on the Notre Dame sidelines just watching it. What's your impression of Gundy in general? Because I wonder if there are a couple of big name jobs that open up if Gundy would be willing to move because we know he was kind of kicking the tires around the LSU job. Uh, you know what? I'm not sure. I mean, we, we've heard he's had interest in other bigger jobs in the past. Uh, I, I know he's kind of a – he fits Stillwater, Oklahoma, I'll put it that way, because he, right. he's off the right. field, you know, he would probably get in trouble with some brighter lights. I'll just put it that way. So yep. I think he's in the right spot. He's obviously the best coach he's ever had in the history of Oklahoma State football. He's obviously a top 25 coach nationally. If I'm just look at his record. Uh, but I don't think he, I just put it this way, I don't think he'd thrive uh, in the SEC or, or some other places. What about the Big Ten? What if Harbaugh goes in the NFL and Michigan is opening uh, opens up? I mean, it would be shocking, but Brian Kelly to LSU was shocking. Yeah, uh, where does Michigan go? I mean, probably, I'm not sure Luke Fickle will go there, considering his deep Ohio ties. Uh, but that, that call needs to be made there, or, you know, maybe a Mac Campbell. I mean, that's where I would expect Michigan to go. By the way, UCLA and Chip Kelly, that's not done yet. So what if what if UCLA opens up? <laughs> uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, I... Uh, Obviously, they're up against it now that USC figures out that they want to start winning again with the higher Lincoln Riley. So I'm not sure how desirable that job is, but it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, you have a new athletic director who didn't hire Chip there. You know, outside of this season, he's left a lot to be desired. And it's also interesting to see how that all went down at the Holiday Bowl. I mean, canceling that game a few hours before it actually kicked yep. off was not ideal. Yep. Uh, one last uh, wacky thought in the uh, coaching carousel. What if the Panthers are like, you know what? We made a mistake with Matt Rule. I would have to think if UCLA and Michigan were open that Matt Rule would be a candidate for both. Absolutely. Totally agree with that. I mean, obviously he's not going to, in my opinion, going to make it at the NFL, but that doesn't mean he's not a, he, he's a bad coach. I mean, it, it doesn't mean that he couldn't be a great college head coach. In fact, I thought he did an absolute, you know, great job at Baylor, considering what he inherited there and what he did in just a few short years. And obviously, he also did the same thing at Temple, a perennial loser. So I think the world of Matt Rule. I think he's, you know, if he goes back to college, I would give a big thumbs up to that hire. Brad Powers, Sports.com at Brad Powers uh, Seven up on Twitter, tweeting out his picks all the time, tweets out his results as well, good or bad. And we have Brad on every Thursday to break down the games. All right, well, we're here again. First of all, are you? I see uh, so many people who cover college football who are annoyed about too many bowl games. Oh, we got the same matchup. Are you annoyed that Georgia and Alabama are playing again? I don't, I don't get people out there who like they're fatigued by it. If they're the if they're the dominant programs in a given year, then that's who's in the finals. What's the big deal? Yeah, you know, in my breakdown of the game, my first sentence on this matchup, I, I wrote this. I mean, for all the problems that college football has, at least the two best teams in the country by far are going to decide the national championship game this year. I mean, I, I'm i flying with the two best teams facing one another. Uh, so, yeah, I, even though we're seeing it for the second time in a month, I'm totally down for it. It's the most talented rosters by far in college football. And, you know, and you got the GOAT uh, as far as on the sidelines and Nick Saban. You got the Heisman Trophy winner at Alabama. 
I'm not sure what else you could ask for at this point, at least for this season. And tell me if I'm wrong. I feel like we have a setup here where it's the pros versus the Joes, and the pros don't want Nick Saban? Yeah, I mean, just think about it. I mean, you have on one hand, you have Nick Saban, the greatest college coach of all time. You have Alabama beating Georgia seven straight times, including the last two years, uh, by an identical 41-24 to score. You just saw Alabama beat Georgia just a few weeks ago by 17. You have an Alabama program that's been an underdog twice in their last 167 games, both times against Georgia, both times an easy win for Alabama and Nick Saban. You have... Uh, obviously, Nick Saban's record against his former assistants, although he finally lost one this year. You have a Heisman Trophy five-star quarterback in Bryce Young versus a walk-on quarterback in Stetson Bennett, and you're telling me I can get three points with Alabama? Uh, because of that, I think it's one of those rare opportunities where Alabama is probably the, the popular public underdog, and for that reason, I am leaning Georgia. I don't think it's a high-value pick. My power rate state line should be right around three. But I, I think George is the sharper of the two sides here. Brad, I got to ask you. Um, I'm seeing that the the game, the FCS championship, it opened nine and a half. It's down to seven and a half. Total of forty two. Montana State, North Dakota State. Do you do anything with that? Do you see that there's a lot of action? Has has the attraction to the FCS playoffs or the games itself picked up? So this was the first year I went full-time FCS betting. I made over 300 FCS bets. It was very profitable for me. I mean, obviously I can't be betting thousands each game, but even a few hundred dollars each game uh, at a high win percentage can, you know, they, it can pay the rent for a few months, I'll put it that way. Uh, I, I, as far as this game goes, you know, it's a little surprising that North Dakota State's getting money against them. But the reason being is there's been some whispers of some COVID issues at North Dakota State. I'm here to tell you that, you know, the last report was everybody came off the plane. They're not going to do any more testing. doesn't look like they're going to be missing any players. And because of that, I'm going to lean towards North Dakota State, who's been there, done that, as far as national championship games down there at Frisco, Texas. Meanwhile, Montana State's making their first appearance at the FCS National Championship since 1984, I mean, when I was one year old. So, I mean, I just have been there, done that, and I think it's a little cheap at this point. I'm going to lean with North Dakota State minus seven. Brad Powers with us. I I, I got to get back to the the CFP title game. You you laid out like ten factors that sounded like you got to play Alabama, and then you said you got a slight lean to the favorite in the game. It, that just that's just because they're they're a popular dog. It's a freaking it's a public dog play on the Bama side. No, I mean I just it seems too easy. Uh, I mean to just bet Alabama. Uh I mean, there's been an adjustment, obviously, since the first time these two teams played, where Georgia was a six, six-and-a-half-point favorite. And I just think right. at this point in the season, I think that's a little much to make an adjustment off of just one performance, especially when you look at the follow-up performances. I would argue that I was more impressed with Georgia's win over Michigan uh, than Alabama's win over Cincinnati, even though both teams covered. And, you know, you go back to that first matchup, uh, you know, I thought there was more of a sense of urgency on the Alabama side. And also, Georgia, you know, keep in mind, hasn't been hit in the mouth much this year. I mean, you'd have to go back to the Clemson game, so it was three months. And if you remember how that Alabama game started off, Georgia's up 10 nothing, So they've blown out everybody, played all season. They're up 10 nothing early against Alabama. I just think Alabama caught them with a couple of left jabs, and Georgia didn't respond accordingly. Meanwhile, Alabama had been used to playing in tough environments this year. They played five post games 
the regular season. They had to win four of them uh, just to get there. So I think Georgia will be a little bit ready to be punched in the mouth this time, this go-around. All right. That's a good makeup. I like that. I like that a lot. Brad, we appreciate it. Enjoy the championship game. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Take care. Thanks for having me on. Here is Brad Powers on Georgia. I am on Alabama. There we go. Square versus Sharp. I'm all about it. Daily happy hour starts at 3 with beers, well drinks, and margaritas, just 277.